I mean, this is basically what the show is anyway, is just catching up and <laughs> learning. I mean, it's it's um it's I've had you're in rarefied air. There's there's you're the third guest who is actually like a friend friend from friend real life from from Uh, way back in the days yeah um you know uh the other two folks uh martel uh and i have been friends since kindergarten uh and then andy (laughs) and i have been friends since the fourth grade so you know you you're you are in two decades territory though so there's that that's right think about that that's don't know that no i I try not to um we both have a lot of white uh, yeah, I know. It was, uh, it would have been 2004-ish that I was introduced to P-Machine through MaxScriptor.net. Um, and that's what tuned me into uh, what was then P-Machine, the company, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, that's 18 Ellis years ago now. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a decade, a little over a decade since you hired me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess that's kind of what we'll, what we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, to let everyone who, you know, may not know yet, uh, we're speaking with uh, Leslie Camacho today, who is, as you may have just heard, a longtime friend of mine, but also a former colleague uh, and cohort and co-worker uh, and creator and, and maker of stuff uh, from, from a good bit back. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. It's uh, it's marvelous to be here. I'm I'm so happy that you were able to work it in and uh, be on the show. It's been uh, something that I wanted to do for a while because um, I, I talk about you on the regular, uh, you know, um, telling my friends uh, a lot about some of the uh, great influence you had on me back then when, um, you know, I was finally able to uh, put a foot in the door at Ellis Lab and, you know, uh, second only to Apple as far as one of the companies that I most wanted to work for. And so, you know, facilitating that pretty big deal. I'll, Thanks so much. I'll take it. I'll take it. All I ask is that one day you introduced me to Tim Cook and then the circle. Oh, yeah. Uncle Tim. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Tim Apple. You betcha. You betcha. That's right. I'll, Tim uh, Apple. I'll swing in. I'll swing you through Apple Park uh, when I get to go on a career experience. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, no big deal, of course. Uh, no, but uh, so are you still uh, up in the up in the Pacific Northwest? I am. Yeah, I, I'm still in Bend, Oregon. We've been oh, here awesome. 15 years now, and uh, we tried to leave once before we realized it was home. We've always loved it here, but yeah. you don't really know where home is, I discovered, until you try to leave it. Yep. So we moved down for a brief period of time to Northern California because uh, Laura, my, my wife, uh, her, she has family down there. Yeah. And so we went there for six months and that was it. We turned around and came back and we, we don't even think of it as having left Bend uh, you just went on an extended yeah. vacation. It, exactly. It felt like yeah. we went on an extended family vacation, connected with the family there, and then came back. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, I, I see why we keep a distance. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I got to say, um, I talk about uh, essentially the last time you and I were uh, in person together, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that uh, meeting in Bend. Uh, I guess it was 2013. Um, 
that we did the company thing and it was absolutely beautiful up there yeah uh, uh, it was a great week uh in that part of uh, uh oregon and um it allows me to claim some sense of uh you know tangibility to the world's last blockbuster <laughs> That's and, right. which is which is just fantastic fantastic pop culture uh you know i have a i have a t-shirt design on cotton bureau as an homage to blockbuster uh, and i'll have to send you the link so you can see it but oh my uh, gosh yes that. please do <laughs> yeah that's not a fight drive from my house and I pass it taking my kids to school every day. I don't even really think about it, but I get, yeah. uh, when I, when I tell people where I am, they either know Ben for, uh, the skiing that we have here, yep. which is kind of surprising because it's good, but it's interesting. Not, yeah. Cause that's not what I took away 10. from Ben at all. <laughs> uh, but we do have the world's last blockbuster and it is still alive and well. And it's a, and, and there's a documentary uh, on Netflix about yep. it that is absolutely worth your time. Um, because it is, it's, it has become for the folks, as I understand it, an absolute labor of love and a point of pride to be that and keep uh, surviving regardless of everything that says you can't do this anymore. Um, and the kitsch of it has become the thing, right? That's the point yep. is now that that's it. So you got to keep it going, right? Yeah. I mean, at least every year there's some, there's multiple tourist stories yeah. and one of the local breweries will do like, some special craft beer partnership with some other breweries celebrating, uh, you know, we've had blockbusters, stouts, IPAs, ales, uh, and sometimes the distilleries will get in on it. And, oh, yeah. uh, I don't think I've seen micro coffee roasts about it yet, but there's plenty. But of it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, of course. Well, that, I mean, those three, those three statements that you just made, that kind of sums up the rest of kind of the culture in Bend, uh, which is an excellent hashtag, by the way. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the coffee, the beer and the liquor. Uh, yes. I mean, I, it, it, I think every pub there, every restaurant has a brew, right? Or brews yes, just, about. Uh, just about. It's like, you know, if you go into a proprietor, uh, ship, there's going to be a home brew beer uh, or beers uh, and um, or an interesting selection of stuff that you're not going to see in a whole lot of other places. Uh, and friends, if you have a hankering for IPA and you've never been to Oregon, like they kind of they kind of have it nailed down when it comes to IPA uh, in, in that place. Yes. Yeah. All not all the not all the brewer, uh, breweries have coffee, but all the coffee shops have beer. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it is really easy to like go to a coffee shop to work at like eleven and get coffee, and then stay through lunch, and then your early afternoon, and then four o'clock beer. Uh, beer. Yeah, exactly. No doubt. <laughs> all from the same place. The the co you know the co working and coffee spaces here. If you are a remote worker, are uh, it's really hard to go wrong. <laughs> One and the same. That's right. I, uh, I gotta say, give credit to where credit is due. The fruit company does allow us as responsible adults one adult beverage on our lunch. Uh, if you have an hour lunch, you can have a beer or one mixture, <laughs> uh, but not more than that, uh, because you know uh, you're an adult. 
you're expected to be responsible. And obviously, if you choose irresponsibility, there will be consequences. So, you know, that's true. And that's a good policy. If you work for yourself, you can follow the fruit company's uh, internal policy as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise, you get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Day drinking while you work from home is not a good plan. I mean, it might lead to some success, but not a lot in very short term. Yeah. I mean, I worked for uh, Pixel and Tonic and they're still up here and I do have lunch with them still uh, on, on a regular basis. So uh, sometimes it can work. It just depends who your coworkers are. Yeah, that is. So that's a name. That's a name I haven't heard in some time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pixel and Tonic, uh, man, that, that takes me back to the good old days. Um, do they, are they still jamming it out? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so pixel and tonic for those that don't uh, know, they, which would be most of you cause they're a, a small independent software company. They make a content management system called craft CMS and their Good CEO, stuff. Brandon Kelly and their CTO, Brad Bell. And I think there's a couple other people from them, uh, from the company that live here in bed, Oregon too. And we've been, we've been friends as long as you and I have Dan, uh, yeah. and, well, they were they were big supporters of the product that we worked on. And, yep, and they're kicking all sorts of ass. Uh, quite cool. honestly, they they kill it, and they're fantastic people. I'm I'm so I'm so grateful to be friends with those guys. Brandon always had the right kind of hustle. Yes, right? the yes, he did. The, yep. the rising tide lifts all the boats. Hustle. Yep. yep. Um, unlike um, certain hustles of other people that we have <laughs> mutual uh, friendship with, that turned out well, to be so time, weird. Though. That's so weird. <laughs> And we'll just leave it at that. Um, all I have to say about that is that now I have a less securitous and and more um, direct route to degrees of Kevin Bacon that do not include Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is uh, weird. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird how close a connection that was uh, yep. for us. Golly. Uh, uh, but I am thankful for my friend Josh <laughs> Paddock, who... Uh, happened to star with Robin Williams and what dreams may come as Robin's son on earth. Uh, and so via Rob, and, and that being also that now it's a path through Robin Williams, everything is a winner. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, and uh, Josh has taken a break uh, from, from the interactivities, but uh, I, uh, I still keep in touch with him as much as I can. He's a good dude. Uh, but yeah, um, that's so great to hear because, uh, you know, they, they really supported, uh, a lot of the success that we were able to participate in. Um, uh, I, it, that thinking back to then, it feels like such heyday, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, it, we were cowboying, but also trying to organize. Uh, it was a, it was a time of big change for a small company at uh, Ellis Labs yeah. expression engine. Yeah, and I w- I feel like the industry as a whole just like you know, I mean, we're 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 from the olden days before WordPress existed and I remember yeah. CMS is it like weren't even a vocabulary word and blogging wasn't a word and all that stuff showed up and it was really it was really exciting and still is to just be in that industry and have friends in that industry and see it uh, see it evolving over time. Um, and what yeah. I, what I like is I've gone back, uh, and found, you know, modern expression engine. I believe it's on version six or something ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Now. 
and it's still familiar. Like I could dig right back in and get something done. I love that it is. It's still the same old beautiful uh, product that, you know, that we believed in back in the day. It is in, so Expression Engine, the CMS is in fantastic hands. It's now yeah. owned by Tom Yeager and he and I meet about twice a month because we are, just by circumstance, we've been part of the same kind of uh, peer owner support group for about nine years, I think. Very cool. Uh, so Tom and I have been in touch for ages and uh, they are being excellent stewards of the product. Yeah. Um, I'm that's what I, I mean, the, the presentation of it and the, the, I mean, it's the way it's marketed on the website. And I hate to use that word for a product that I love so much, but uh, they, <laughs> they're nailing it. Uh, and, and, you know, not to, not to, I mean, this, this is something that I think that you, you and I just were, we were passionate about it at a time uh, when um, so there was so much energy around it. And it, mm-hmm. it just felt really great to be in that moment. Um, and the history of the product is has always fascinated me. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, Rick uh, basically hammed something together because he got tired of manually updating Nancy Sinatra's website. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that is... I mean, if that isn't a garage based, uh, you know, hack it out story, if there ever was. Yep. Yeah, that it's got a fantastic origin story. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The the thing that I, I mean, looking back on it 18 years later, the thing I love most is that the kind of spirit around that whole early days still exists. And now yep. it's across multiple products and multiple communities and tons of agencies. And there's just, uh, I, I don't know, it felt like there was a movement and to have been, you know, to have, played a, a small role in that mm-hmm. uh, has been really fun. And then to still be part of at least it, it, to some extent in those communities now, almost 20 years later, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit mind blowing. It is. It <laughs> so, is. And yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it does. It does catch your attention and, you know, being, you know, retro retrospectively part of very nascent now, now entirely, popular uh uh businesses like you know i supported expression engine for the alamo the alamo draft house (laughs) not the company but the one right because that's all there was when they were using that product um and it was very cool uh and then you know turn around and they are successful everywhere and you know played played some teeny small part in that once upon a time it's not you know, it's not insignificant to me. Uh, and yep. I, I just love the the energy of that, right? And noted by Pixel and Tonic, who, like we said, were um, add-on makers for the Expression Engine product, but also um, came to market with something, their take on how they felt the a modern uh, CMS should operate. Um, and it's a fantastic product. Um, and they continued to support the essentially the competition. Uh, yes, with their yeah. with their uh, plugins and everything, you know, near providing near feature parity with their own CMS through add-ons to a competitor. Um, yeah, it the whole thing is is quite amazing. And yeah. then there's also uh, since we're talking about it, there's also I just saw the tweet from Statamic the other day that Statamic CMS, which also comes from the EE community, turned ten mm-hmm. years old. Oof. I think this week or last week. Yeah. 
uh, as well. Uh, I love that uh, the idea of that product really appealed to me, um, that it was a, it's a static file uh, CMS. um, uh, You can use it that way. It's what, that's how a lot it's live started. It's grown up. Uh, You know, it it does support full featured database. uh, And and as, as I understand it, it's, it doesn't lose any features. You just get to choose which way you want to do it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I have a couple of agency friends that will use Tatamic every chance they get. Yeah. Ruben Johnson, the fly dealer. Yeah. Every yep. time. Yeah, Ruben and Jerry Johnson, every time. They're, Shout they out. I need to get him on the show. It's on the yes. list. Yes. Oh, and you you can't have Ruben on without Sherry if you can get them both on at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting Ruben in person. I haven't met Sherry in person, but I did get to meet Ruben one time at a, at a, a Shake and Shake in Atlanta. Yeah, I got to meet them uh, in person in Austin in 2019, right before the pandemic. They were down oh, wow. there for uh, Bureau of Digital, the Owner Summit event. And we both got to meet up in person. Uh, all three of us got to meet up in person there. They're fantastic uh, people, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, gems. Uh, uh, they have Ruben. Um, Ruben and I, uh, it, uh, he, uh, you know, he filed a support ticket uh, and I was the first one to answer uh, and then he kind of he kind of was like, "Is there any way that I can talk to you that isn't involving you know?" And kind of circ- circled around because he had some questions, he needed some help with some stuff, but he uh, he wanted to partner with me, and so I was like, "We'll talk about it." Um, but that's how he and I stayed in touch, and then. And, you know, without fail over the years, he'll reach out to me from time to time. And he's like, hey, I got a little more on my plate than I can handle. Are you do you want to do some work still to this day? Um, and that's just yep. the kind of person he is. You know, him and Sherry are excellent people. They have not stopped. Uh, it's been easily a decade that I've known them just under uh, and they have not stopped working hard. And the work that they do supports businesses that deserve it. Um, you know, they, they yep. seek those kinds of businesses, uh, to put their efforts into. Yeah. I knew of them for a long time, but it wasn't till I think it was 2000, late 2017 or 18 that I really got to know them. And mm-hmm. now we're like lifelong friends and oh, yeah. they've clients of mine. And when, like, when I made the transition to the new type of coaching, they were the first ones to sign on with me and go all in and, um, so getting to know them, you know, as friends first and then watching their professional pivot and leaning in and, uh, all the just kick butt stuff that they're doing, uh, mm-hmm. is their style is unique and, and impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I realize it's kind of esoteric the way we're talking about it, but they run this thing called fly duo and the name of their, uh, company is called uh, fly media productions. Um, and you should check them out. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Do a Google on that, um, especially yes. if you have uh, if you have needs uh, in the digital marketing area, uh, they will take care of you. And uh, yeah, you know, like family, they do. They, they will be remiss if I don't uh, say that they do branding. They're branding specialists now. Oh, um, that's okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All they right. Yeah. To okay. brand and brand strategy. Yeah, and they. Are oh well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if you're feeling like bland, and you're like. I, I have a lot to offer the world, but I'm kind of boring. Yeah. Fly Media will take care of that for you. <laughs> <laughs> you will no longer be boring. Yeah. Be yeah there overnight. is no <laughs> chance of you working with them and coming out boring the other side. <laughs> I mean, even if you just Zero. even if you just had a great conversation with them, it'll be worth the effort. Yes. Yes. Fully, yeah. fully support. Yeah. 
Um, well, that yeah, no, they. I mean, we could we could do an entire show about them, but yeah, I uh, I have been another person on the list who, uh, or on my list of people I need to reach out to and invite on here to 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 talk to because, you know, sharing their story, um, you know, would be what this is all about. So yes, yeah, yes, right, yeah, right. you should definitely get Ruben on. Well, and so in the meantime, though, you you transitioned. So when we were when we were colleagues, you were the CEO of the mm-hmm. company. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it was a very small company. Um, yep. And uh, I remember in part of the, the interview process, one of the questions you asked was, you know, have you ever been a professional web developer? And I was like, I don't know. And you know, <laughs> like, have you ever been paid to do web development. I was like, yeah. And you're like, well, you're a professional. Web <laughs> and that's, that's one of the stories I, I tell all the time uh, because it's, it's one of those things that's in line with, you know, the job I have now didn't exist when I graduated. So don't, don't pigeonhole yep. yourself by where you are or what, you know, um, and don't sell yourself short. So uh, that's always been a really great influence on me. So I, I appreciate you for that. Um, and that's, that's one you've always been that person that you've always been, um, that kind of support. Uh, and that's why what you do, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense as far as, um, you know, the work that you're doing now, uh, as a coach for folks who need guidance to be successful. It's, it's kind of what you've always done. Yeah. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. It, it took me, it took me a long time to realize that the thing I enjoyed most about the different jobs and companies I've worked with has always been creating that environment that allows others to be successful. Right. And that was weird. Um, it, it wasn't until I was in my early forties, I'm, I'm 46 now, where it finally occurred to me that these things that people often talk about as soft skills, they're actually mm-hmm. trainable. Like if you've got them at a foundational level, you can actually grow them into uh, a career for yourself that really can help more than one company at a time. Right. And the, I had several friends kind of push me out the door to get into that position, leave the world of spreadsheets and operations. And, um, and to some extent, doing my own because I did a startup during the pandemic as well with uh, Dan Mall from Super Friendly. And uh, man, I've done all sorts of things in the past couple of years now that I think about it. But all that was to say like the consistent theme in my life that I ignored for too long was you really love helping people be successful and maybe you should go do that. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Just on your um, own and really specialize uh, out it. And, and that's true. Well, and that's, you know, like for myself, I'm, you know, I'm really good at technical help, but it's not what I I like to teach what mm-hmm. I know, not use what I know to fix things, right? Yes, I'm, I'm yes. more, I'm more engaged when I get to share knowledge. Um, and, you know, I keep working towards finding that opportunity. Um, and, uh, but, you know, continuing to just be you know, really good at tech support, um, it, it, it wears down after 20 odd years, as it were now, um, doing that either in one capacity or the other. And so, you know, I applaud you for being able to uh, acknowledge and pick that up and take it uh, because in the end, it's the only way you're gonna be, success is relative and it filters through happiness. 
yes uh, more than it does through uh, accumulation yeah and and you need a good community to do it i mean yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't like i and i alone thought of this no it took friends and mentors and peers of mine years to convince oh, yeah. me that i could make a living doing this and get me in the right direction. There's a, I mean, you and I have talked about mental health challenges in the past and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, it's, it's the idea that the older I get, the more I realize how true it is when people tell you what came before prepared you for where you are now. Of course. Yeah. That's that's just like, uh, it, it feels somewhat cliche to say it, but man, it's so true. It is. (laughs) Well, and the thing I, what I think about it is that, you know, A lot of folks, it feels like a lot of folks don't take the time to examine themselves and kind of figure themselves out. They just continue to operate in the world, um, either by rote or by just will, you know, force of will. Um, But, you know, it's okay to question what it is you're doing, even later in life as we as we continue to go on, Um, you know, and I'm kind of in this space where, you know, uh, I uh, you know, why isn't, why aren't the things that I am trying to do, why aren't they being successful? Well, I'm sitting around wondering more about that than I am doing other things to push, you know, broaden the, um, the, the, the signal, right? Um, essentially, you know, you can't just use Twitter. There are other tools if you want to promote <laughs> the stuff that you're creating. Oh, and also you got to create more than like one a thing a week. And so, you know, uh, that is, that is where I'm at right now. You know, I'm laying the foundation to, I've got, um, you know, I've actually got, uh, some website work done and, you know, to, to begin to centralize and brand what it is that I'm doing. And because, you know, um, whether or not it ever does anything to sustain me, if it can supplement me or, um, for the, just having done it of it, at least I've tried it. Um, is kind of where I'm at right now, but yeah, it hit me just a little bit, you know, this week that I was like, well, you, you spend more time, uh, pondering than you do working. And so it's time to flip that switch, um, and quit making excuses for, you know, not making content. Uh, so I started building, you know, building ideas around what platforms support, what, you know, kinds of content and video links and things like that and come up with some ideas. So, yeah, that stuff is hard. I, I have discovered the hard way that I am not a consistent content creator and that's okay. And that, and it's given me more respect for those that are, and that's kind of like, it's, it's one of those things where you just find your areas of strength and then what you're not good at, you find people to help out. I I mean, again, it sounds so basic, but then the older I get, the more complicated that is, but the more rewarding it is at the same time. Well, and you know, uh, we we filter and refine the the support, the community that is there to advise and uh, um, you know uh, teach and mentor, and that gives us um, you know I think it gives us a bit of an advantage uh, because we you know we have such a broad network of people we can reach out to and get advice from. Um, that, yep. You know, when we're willing to admit that that's what's time to do, right? Yeah, and you know, the the advantage someone like you has is that you have twenty years of helping people. Yeah, yeah, like it that's does, it, that's <laughs> that's just who you are, and you help people enough in any capacity, and they want to help back. Uh, and, and man, you're an 
uh, I realize I'm switching into a different mode in my head. Uh, but that's man, okay. That's what we do. We digress. Is in the <laughs> that's show, right. right? Yeah. We digress. We're going to make the show about you now, Dan. I'm going to flip the, <laughs> this on you. Let's make sure you get the help that you need. <laughs> make this pivot. Turn this podcast into your full-time gig, man. I would love that so much for you. I'm working towards that goal. Uh, yeah. And not just this podcast, but but um, things, uh, you know, a podcast adjacent, um, as, I, as I've learned that, you know, if you call your hobby a business, the government will let you lose money on it for five years. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, I get I have five years to turn a profit um, playing. Yep with toys in my shed. (laughs) So that's, I mean, and I'm, you know, I joke about it, but that is really what it is that I want to do. I want to, you know, I've got all this stuff and I enjoy that stuff. So why not, you know, talk about it or talk about like, I've had, whether or not the audience reflects uh, the, you know, my enjoyment of it, the last uh, several shows before the one uh, with Dan, just before this were, you know, the four shows were commentary tracks on movies that I love. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun for me. I don't know if other folks enjoyed it so much, but, it, you know, I did. Uh, and so I figure there are there's content in that spirit that is more accessible, um, even though that was a lot of fun. So uh, that's what you know, that's what I'm laying the groundwork for right now. And, and uh, as soon as I get uh, I got a monitor stand coming tomorrow so I can kind of reorganize everything and make some room um, because I have ridiculous monitor needs i think <laughs> uh no if i could i've looked at too many monitors i keep looking at that all the gadgets like i'm surrounded here by but what I was let me back up a second i think that one of the things you said about content it's authentic content that i find yeah. the people that have the most success with it you have find two people people that really understand the technical business side and so they are doing like basically business math to figure out this content's popular and I can juice it this way and leverage it that way. And I love it just enough, but it's really about getting the dollars in. And then there's the other people that say, say like, I know that's a necessary thing to make a living and I want to get good at that, but I have to find this authentic path into it. And one, I mean, one is not better than the other. So I'm not trying to like cast judgment on the people that are really good on the business side. But I've not been that person despite my degrees and everything right. else. It's on the authentic side where I've needed the business stuff to make sure I can keep doing that right. uh, as much as I can. And I think when, uh, it, like one of my friends, do you know Matt Stoffer? No, don't remember he's, that name. He's the co-founder of this agency called Titan that does a lot of Laravel, the PHP framework. Oh, yeah. And the dude is just all over. He's a streamer. He's got tons of followers. Uh, and we've become friends over the years. And one of the things he shared with me is just like, it's so it's so basic and fundamental, but you just have to live it. And that's like, just share what you're learning. And you said that earlier on. So much of that is is just share what you're learning from your heart and get, you know, put yourself out there and just see what picks up. You start building community around that. And that's what I see you doing. Like you've been through these mutations and you keep sharing what you're learning and what you love and that just kind of builds and builds and builds around you um and it kind of shows i mean your guest list is super solid man <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I, I remember that, when man. you first started your podcast and i think you're over the two-year mark now i think uh so yeah um you're depending old, on uh, how you you're the second uh your second episode of the third year yeah um, going into the third year yeah yeah so, and like when you started versus where you are now i'm just like oh man you're killing it dude 
just, well, just from the outside that. perspective looking in you're you're well on your way you're going to be fine uh, <laughs> well you know I, I i keep reminding myself that all the successful podcasts that i keep holding my standard to have been at it for 10 years yet and so i haven't and you know um, and again, focusing on only one avenue for for the signal is is not the is there's no growth there, mm-hmm. um, and so you know um, there's got I have to if this is what I you know if this is what I really want to do and I I really do enjoy it um, I have to find a way to because uh, they there's not a lot of money coming in right now <laughs> uh, but uh, and and that's not to say anything at all to diminish the money I do receive from my patrons on patreon absolutely 100 appreciate everything that they do for me um but um you know that goes straight around to other creators that I support on patreon so yeah. um you know because that's 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 just where we're at right now um, and a few t-shirts that have sold, uh, have, uh, you know, put a little money, uh, a little golden money in the pocket, but, um, yeah, we're not paying, we're not paying the light bill yet. And that's okay. Cause that's not what it is that I started this for yep. this show specifically, of course, was to connect with folks like yourself. And like you said, the folks who are on the guest list, um, even, even quote unquote, the notables, you know, uh, just, they're just people with different jobs. And sometimes those jobs are cooler than yours. And, you know, that, that, that is just, you know, Joe Malazzi, you know, yeah, he's the showrunner for Stargate, but he's also a dude who likes weird food and loves his pug, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's regular people stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And it's something that it's something that it's fun to know. And, and it gives a chance for folks to just understand humanity and, and, and during the pandemic, you know, when every podcast started, uh, it was um, it was just a way to do something. And and when you invite someone onto a Zoom call for an hour just to hang out, it's kind of weird. But if you call it a podcast, it's cool. That's true. That's true. I like that. I like that. You reach out to a random stranger and be like, "You want to hang out for an hour on my Zoom?" No, no, probably not. Uh, uh, would you like I, to? May I invite you onto my podcast? Oh yeah, sure. You betcha. No. I love that attitude of they just have a cooler job because that's all relative to where you're sitting at and yep. they're still human and taking yep. that approach, I think is, uh, is, is so, so good. Well, I, yeah, because, well, you know, and first, and, uh, to, I'll tell you a little bit of a story here and you've, you've probably heard it if you, because you listen to the show. Uh, but you know, um, it, it's a way for me to quell my own nerves when I'm speaking to these people who do matter to me because of the cool jobs that they've had. Right. But yeah. it's important to acknowledge that. And I do, you know, a lot of the times it was before recording, I would just say, Hey, I, I want to get this out of the way. This is where this is important to me because <laughs> right. You're important to me because, and then you can, yeah. I can be a regular person talking to them on the, on the podcast. Um, but you know, the one episode where I was speaking to my friend, uh, my, my dear sister, Deanne, and, um, she excuses herself and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting a text message. Hold on. And she's like, oh, it's, it's Chase, you know, Masterson, um, Star Trek <laughs> Space Nine, you know, uh, Lita. And I was like, oh, you know, as you do. And then, uh, and then she was yep. like, oh, uh, Hey, uh, can Chase come on the show? Oh, oh, like, right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> fine. I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. And, um, and uh, so, you know, we get, we get Chase looped in uh, and uh, she didn't, you know, we were on video and she was like, I didn't realize this was video. And I was like, ah, you know, it is, it isn't. Uh, 
well, I don't have my makeup on. Well, I've seen you in makeup. I've never seen you not in makeup. And, you know, it turns out I'm not wearing any either. And so she's like, okay, fine. And she turned on her camera and we had a great little chat about the, uh, you know, the uh, Pop Culture Hero Coalition, and uh, which is uh, the charity that she champions is a great anti-bullying and uh, self-empowering and, uh, you know, early mental health intervention uh, program for youngsters in school. And, uh, but, but yeah, you know, just rando moments like that, where, you know, your crush from 20 years ago just shows up on your podcast. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, wait, no, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're getting we're there. Old. We're there now. Yeah. Uh, I don't think about that every day at all. Uh, but no, it, it, just, you know, it turns into, and you know, this, and this is kind of what we've talked about. It isn't, uh, I mean, what you know is important, but who you know is more important. Uh, yeah. Who you know can teach you what you need to know um, yeah. and show you where you don't know shit. Yeah. And that circles back to you. A lot of those people you meet based on who you've helped. And so I yeah. think, I think that in, in the service industry, like so much of the talk is billable hours or customer support tickets and all that. And all that's true. I don't mean to like undersell the very real challenging work and sometimes underpaid work that can be. But at the same time, you flip the switch out in your head and you realize I'm in the business of providing value uh, and helping other people. That that always circles back. It always circles back into something positive. Well, uh, and you can, you know, to kind of light off the similarities that, that you know, that help make a helper, uh, help a helper be a helper, right? Uh, yes. Our, it, it goes into the culture of the company. Um, and you can feel that in the way that the employees behave to the customers they support because, you can tell the difference between a company that sees the support they provide, the customer service they provide as a cost center. And you can yep. tell the difference between, and, and the companies who see their support centers as an investment in return on the product. Um, yep. And that's where Ellis and uh, Apple and companies like Panic and all of these that have that, that, that you know, open culture about um, how they treat the customers that support them literally put the food in their, in their family's mouths and keep the yep. heat on. Um, it's, it's a much better relationship, uh, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. It, it's just rewarding. Just uh, also at a personal level, it's just more rewarding, uh, yep. there as well. Um, well, and you know, both, uh, you know, in those terms, like, empowering your employees to make sound decisions based on their expertise uh, rather than constantly hovering over, are you doing a good job? Um, yep. Allowing a level of autonomy, you hired, you hired that person to be that in that role for the reasons that you should trust them to do that job. <laughs> yes. I would, especially in a small company, like presumably yeah. you're hiring someone who knows a lot more than you do about the area you're hiring them for, which is why you're hiring them. Yep. And the smaller the company, the more true that is, uh, or should be yeah. Uh, yeah. in there. Uh, so yeah, just you hire great people and hopefully just get out of the way as much as possible. One of my, uh, uh, one of my tried and true maxims is uh, if I'm the smartest person in the room, where did my wife go? <laughs> yeah because i yeah. need to i need to get <laughs> um because you know that's that that's always been my philosophy that you know smart leaders not managers but smart leaders surround themselves with the people who know the things they don't 
and rely on that expertise, right? Um, I saw something yesterday, uh, probably on Twitter, that said uh, there's a significant difference between, you know, an authority and an expert on the subject. Yes. You want an expert, mm. not an authority, right? Because an expert is willing to adapt and learn and change what their expertise reflects, where an authority is staunch in the information they seek to provide. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's the... Uh kind of in marketing world, there's this whole be like, I figure like in branding, there was this movement of become an established authority in your field Yeah, uh, that went around with it. And I, 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 yeah, I see what you mean in there. If you're making the differentiation between someone who thinks they're an authority versus someone who's constantly learning about a subject exactly. in there and then just sharing that as they go, uh, like a, a long like after, after I left my fancy sounding title career, because uh, I was <laughs> burned out, yeah. it, like I, I was just super burned out and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Chief and, burned out officer. That's yes, not a great title exactly, to have. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it wasn't the company. That was the weird thing. Like, yeah. it, like whatever legitimate lessons were learned there and mistakes that I made uh, and like any credit needs to go to that team. Like, I had like Rick was a fantastic owner, fantastic boss, worked with a fantastic team like you. Uh, so there's always lessons to be learned from small business, but having like looking back 10 years, it was like my own burnout. Uh, yep. And this goes back to you that. You can't see it in the moment. You can't yeah, you where feel it then. You think it's the world's best job, but you're burning out at home and, yep. and going in there. So I just want to make that clear. Like I was burned out, but it was because I was doing the wrong, I was in the wrong place. Yep. Well, it wasn't leaning into where I needed to be, but uh, where was I going with that? So afterward, just like figuring it out, uh, it was such, again, I, the older I get, the more I value very simple advice where, yes. where it's still the most money I have ever personally paid someone to help me. Uh -huh. So I, I paid this coach, I think $350 an hour, $400 an hour. And I hired her for just one hour. That's all I could afford. Um, and in the first five minutes, she's like, oh, I understand. You just need to be in positions where people want smart, kind, and compassionate, and they're in tech. And you're just going to keep winning if, if those things line up for you. And at the moment, I was like, I paid $350 an hour for that advice. <laughs> and, so and now, like, 10 years later, after I got the advice, I was like, oh, my gosh. That was you the know, most sound, insightful advice, and I'm so glad I acted on it. Because in the moment, I was like really hesitant. I was like, "But she just got it, nailing down." That's like, why she name. makes three hundred and fifty dollars an hour? Yes. Uh, uh, what's her name? Penelope Trunk. I don't know if she still does it. She does a whole. She was like a serial entrepreneur, but I still remember that advice from her. Just like in five minutes when she met me, she had me nailed down. She's like, "Yep, that's that is also in that um, position. What do you want to do for the next fifty-five minutes?" <laughs> you know, I appreciate efficiency, but also that is kind of insulting. Um, and just, you know, in that I'm that easy to peg regard, like, really, oh, you know, no, it's, it, it's hurtful, but also helpful. Yeah, it's it, it, no, she was accept, I, I value that I would I would pay her triple that easily. That, <laughs> that is paid off. So 10 times uh, that is paid off over and over because afterwards, 
it really, it really just helped me think like in opportunities that came coming up and I had to, it was a lesson I had to relearn, but now, like even now, years later, just help, am I in a place where I can be compassionate to people? Am I in a place where I can be helpful? Do, do they need smart people and do they need help making decisions in tech? Yeah. And consistently throughout my career, she's been a hundred percent right. If, if I'm putting myself in positions that has those things. And so when I think about when I'm helping other people, I, I try to help them line up that way too. It's like, is this team, can you nail it down? Can you make it that simple? And I think in, in getting older, that's one of the things that just I've learned is like you simplify what you do down to like these very core pieces of yourself. And it, it just so, so helpful for just one helping others by keeping your own tank full. And that goes yeah. back to mental health state and burnout. Cause that's how that's really a good way to avoid burnout. Cause you're constantly recharging when you're in your sweet spot like that. One thing that I kind of, you know, decided that I could, I could be okay with is, you know, you go through that period where it's gotta be the mostest, like I need, <laughs> I need max the Ram, biggest, the drive, fastest, the thing, mostest, the screen. Right. And yeah. I say that as I have ridiculous amounts of screen real estate sitting around me, I understand this. Um, there's a difference between being able to treat yourself and having to have all the things right. Yep. Uh, when you can't afford the things and you're maxing everything out, but there's, you know, learning to adapt to a level of compromise and simplicity and then understand that simplicity doesn't necessarily mean compromise because you're gaining more for the offset, right? You yep. know, as, like you said, as we get older, we realize what is a lot, we can filter and let things fall away um, that we once considered crucial that are obviously, you know, priorities not necessarily change, but reveal themselves. Yep. Yeah. And, and just to build off that, like it helps you avoid the comparisons too because you always are going to meet people that, you know, have done better than you have nicer things, have the things that you want. And I think especially when you have such close proximity to tech VC, anything, mm -hmm. and I like we were arm's length, but you're close enough. Like we were close enough. You see, or like in our industry, like you saw WordPress, like no matter what successes we had, WordPress is a billion dollar company. And so you could either say like, Oh man, how do we miss out on the billion dollar valuation? Or you're like, dang, Matt killed it. Good yeah. for them. That's awesome. Look how many exactly. lives how can I contribute to. It just kind of changes your focus. And again, the getting older, it's like, you can't take it with you. Like regardless of what you believe for sure, you're not taking it with you. And so it's like, how do you fill your time and, you know, responsibly put a roof over your head and by, by keep those things like joyful for yourself yep. and for others. And that's just that you have to, you have to have a really good set of people around you, at least in my case. Uh, I think when, it, you know, especially if you deal with mental health, anything to keep you objective, keep you focused, keep you going in there. And I've just been, if nothing else that though, the, you know, the core community you and I started out with, like we've benefited from that encouragement and support and from those basically down, laid down for us early on. Oh yeah. And, sure. and, and, you know, there's so many, uh, there's so many folks who, uh, yourself and uh, and Lisa too that I still stay in touch with to this day that you know uh, made such a made such an impact. Um, yep. But to your to your point about what what are you going to do with what you've got? Um, you know, uh, on the previous show where I was talking to to Dr. Uh, Aaron McDonald, um, my perspective on that because you know she says as an astrophysicist, 
when she starts class uh, for the for the incoming newbies, uh, she she just straight away tells them you're going to have an existential crisis. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because if you, if you have yet to resolve your own insignificance in the universe, you got a journey to take people. I love that so much. You know, I mean, because it's true. You've, you've lived it, you know, what she's talking about. Um, And that's just, that's just the natural progression of, of, you know, if you take yourself on a thought experiment, you're going to get there. Um, And it's, it is uncomfortable, but what, what it does do is it gives you, it should give you the perspective to kind of resolve your significance, right? Mm-hmm. So in that, think about this. Uh, what we know of the universe is that, you know, it's been, it's been in operation 14 and a half, 15 billion years now. And through all of that, stars born, were born, lived, and died to create the things that have come to be you. And what are you going to do with the six feet around you that you can change? with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, that's, that's not yeah. insignificant. Right. So, you know, and, and, um, you know, regardless of your, your faith system or your belief system, the truest thing that's ever said out of the Bible was from dust you came and to dust you shall return um, yep. because we are all made of stars y'all. Uh, oh and, man, uh, that, that in itself would be a huge digression and probably a second episode. Yeah. I've come a uh, long yeah. way from that to now on that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then, you know, not it, it, you have to you have to become comfortable with what you know in the natural world with what you want to retain from the supernatural world. And that's everyone's own personal journey. Um, and uh, for me, you know, the natural world offers so much wonder and awe in itself and how we got here that that's enough. Right. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not, I realize I'm not so self-important that I need to continue into eternity. No, I don't know that anybody wants that, (laughs) Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, you know, I'm, I'm fine with what I've got, you know, because this is it to me. And I think, I mean, swinging around back or maybe to digress here a little bit, I think that's why at least part of the reasons why both why us love sci-fi so much. Yeah, because that's a way to honor what's real in front of you in the natural world. But then ask these questions: What if? What if? And explore those in a way that's usually a lot safer than whatever might be said at the pulpit every week. I don't think sci-fi <laughs> has ever been weaponized to control a group of people. I'm okay. Star Wars fans, notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they did yeah. that to themselves. <laughs> I, I would say that's the corporation of sci-fi that yeah, has yeah. led to a lot of that. Uh, oh yeah, well, and, and then the monetization of uh, of hate watch content. Yes, yeah. I don't watch the show. Oh come on, you make an hour long YouTube video about how how you don't watch the show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> really? No. And thanks. I don't watch it every week. <laughs> I don't watch it every week to gain thousands of views and all your money. Uh, support me on Patreon. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, all of this deep philosophical stuff aside, you know, bringing up sci-fi, you know, we cross over on on all the important stuff, the Trek and the Wars and the Gates and all the things. Um, But, but, you know, we also, are you gaming these days? What do you, what do you do? Do you roll dice still? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the wonderful things that's happened over the last 18 years 
is that I had three kids and now they're old enough to actually play Dungeons and Dragons with me. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and we don't play as much as they want, but one of my, <laughs> one of my stated goals for the year is to get back is to run a campaign again with them. Cause we did it prior to the pandemic and I, yep. uh, uh, I ran, I ran a campaign for them and their friends. And so we had, you know, six, six kids around the table from ages. That's a big table. The youngest was six to 14. Oh, wow. And we just had a blast, absolute blast. So uh, I love, because, you know, go ahead, because this philosophy carries into, I think, the way we play D&D. Yeah. It, and so I, uh, we did a lot of world building. I uh, picked up a lot of tips over the years uh, with that kind of stuff. And actually, this kind of in some ways circles back to what you talked about. It's like, are you a professional? It's like, am I a dungeon master? Especially this in this day and age where dungeon master can be a career if you're exceptionally good at it. it yeah, makes also kind of goals. Uh, I have goals. <laughs> it, it, yep, exactly. Uh, just being able to get their involvement in the world building and the storytelling mm -hmm. and getting them... Uh, getting them to experience agency in a fantasy and sci-fi setting that they may not always have in real life and letting yep. them play with those issues with consequences inside the game world that sometimes are by chance, sometimes by whatever moral code uh, is consequence, the choice. Yeah. And, there. And, uh, and then just the fun of it, you know, just, just the fun of it uh, has been a blast, but the, we take a real group storytelling approach and that makes it, uh, a lot of fun in there and pull it together. So I'm hoping to get them back into the Forgotten Realms later on this year. Um, and I'm pulling some threads from where the campaign left off about a year ago that we've been kind of doing asynchronously telling the story mm -hmm. the pandemic. A lot of people and, don't uh, play enough theater of the mind. You don't always need dice, guys. No, no. And I, I knew that I was doing something right as a parent when I walked in on my 13-year-old basically DMing a session for my eight-year-old and it was just the two of them no yeah. dice yeah going yeah. back and forth here's my characters here's what we're doing uh and just having a blast and laughing and then we pulled that stuff back into the main campaign too just totally I just I totally encourage my players to uh in fact when I was running a bit of a campaign I had a discord uh room that I never went into just for them to <laughs> to connive and role play outside of the session because yeah that's the that's how you keep the session that's what makes people want to show up yeah <laughs> is that yep. they're they're not they're thinking about it until the next session not waiting until the next session right yep. there's a difference there um and and well that's awesome because i have yet to find the spark of interest to my children to want to play um but uh it is it is on the list uh, I fortunately have uh, more than enough opportunity to play. We're we are doing a uh, campaign in person. Uh, in fact, uh, Wednesday, uh, we will complete one way or the other, the Icewind Dale campaign. Um, and <laughs> I'm telling you, Wes, nice. it's, it's the, it's the Holy Grail of D and D a, a start to finish campaign with, you know, there are, three of us who haven't suffered permanent character death through level 11. Yeah. And that's a, that's a long time. And the Icewind Dale campaign, if it's the one from the source books or a riff yep. on that, that's no no, it's that's pretty much, long, we've played, we've played it through. Deep dive. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, we had we've had so much fun playing it. You know, uh, Maya character uh, is Taara Dax, who is a uh, uh, drow priestess uh, uh, druid circle of spores druid. Yeah. Uh, and so she's just evil and, and, and crusty, but also irresistibly attractive, uh, crossbow expert. And, um, and so just deadly. And then as we got into the higher level of Druid and I realized that I had a whole lot of toys that I wasn't taking out of the toy box. And then in one session, like without, without any warning at all in one session, I'm like polymorph young red dragon. And they're like, what? And I'm like, it says I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i found the biggest challenge rating i could get into without like uh without really pushing it to the limit um and so i'm up on this building and then i jump off polymorph into a red dragon and i'm up over these ice giants <laughs> unfortunately they grabbed me and slammed me to the ground it was enough to take away my polymorph in one hit but i did get to blast them with some heat you know hey you had a cool cinematic moment and yeah. and you learned from it <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's it that's it though cool cinematic <laughs> moments Letting the story tell itself. Well, there, there are two things, you know, you do your part to role play, but the dice, let the dice tell the story, you know, don't roll for everything, but, but, yep. but manipulate the situation. Um, one of the things I've learned uh, over the years, uh, you know, some of the best advice and it comes from wanting to help people is look for a way to say yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, especially with D and D uh, yep. allow for flavor, even if it isn't in rules as written, you're not breaking the game to let a person say, I want it to look like this when I do it. Okay. Did I ever anticipate, um, you know, the party taking on the stone golem that I had them, uh, by, by the, the, the gnome, or I think it was gnome or halfling saying, I want to climb up its back and wrap my cape around it and blind it. Okay, how do we make that happen? Give me an athletics check. Yeah, okay, give me a slide of hand check. One fifty-seven of the yeah. uh, DM's manuals. Yeah, uh, exactly. Paragraph three, subsection eight. <laughs> Have all, fun all on the gnome giant climbing table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, uh, find a way to allow that because that is a fun story. And guess what happened? The 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 golem continued to fail his saves, and they hacked him to bits because he was blind. Yep. <laughs> that was fun and then the best part was that follow-up was they got to a safe spot and there were these two goblins who were after the same thing they were after but had heard the fight going on so they were hiding out the the character who who wanted to to do the blinding was always the negotiator right <laughs> always wanted to negotiate with the enemy and tried to negotiate with the golem. I'm like, golem not going to negotiate. Uh, and then so when they come upon uh, the hiding goblins, the the negotiators just like screw that, blap blap. <laughs> Took them out. I was like, the one time negotiation would have worked. I don't care. They interrupted my like downtime or whatever. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> no, yeah, and and especially if you have the chance to play with your kids or get involved at, at a table with kids. Like, it's like, I know some people really shy away from that. Uh, but especially if you're a parent, it is such a, a learning opportunity for you too. Uh, oh yeah. Like my, my kids were pushing the envelope on like, like, especially my preteen and teen, they like pushing the envelopes on gender identities and why are the rules like this? And why is yep. it called a race? And like, and they're not on online forums. They don't know that that's a raging debate online about whether that's true to the core of the classic. Like that's just the world they live in. So, uh, oh, by the, the way, uh, we don't live in 1974 and Gary Gygax. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. And 
I learned so much about modern, about the modern cultural and generations that are coming up because we just let them play. And then they force that issue and you're like, okay. And that goes back to that saying, yes. And you allow them that own visualization and that empowerment and that uh, just ability to tell their own stories and facilitate that. And that is just, uh, it is, it can be so much fun. Um, And you don't have to do like, you don't have to do like an entire campaign to get all that. There is a whole bunch of one-shot adventures and whether you use D&D or not, like we were on a camping trip with some friends of ours and we didn't have the whole D&D kit, but we, oh man, there's a whole series of like independent one-shot systems with really yep. simple rules. And I, yep. I can't remember what we played, but it was the premise is that you're all bears and oh, you have awesome. to go steal honey. And there's rules about it where you just use like a simple six-sided dice. Yeah. But the premise is that as long as your bear is wearing a hat, you are disguised, kind of like Paddington, wild oh, Paddington yeah, in there. Yeah. But you take the hat off and suddenly and you're, you're a bear. bear. Oh, and the constant, the constant challenge was if you if you be if you pass too many times, you start losing your bareness. Mm-hmm. And then if you are too if you are too much into bear side, you start going wild, you kind of lose it. Uh, and Oh, it's like so, Knights of the Old Republic with uh, the dark side and the light side. Yes, except all in a one shot. Oh, except bear. Uh, and then you just roll on all these random tables and you just go to town. And we played that with, I think, uh, four teenagers and two adults. And it was, it was like a blast. It was a blast. Absolute blast. So it doesn't have to be like this big overbearing, buy lots of dice and hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. Though I, you know, I, I've done that sort of thing, but this was like I, $5. We'll neither confirm nor deny that I own everything on D&D Beyond. It, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not talking about the cost on that. No, no, it goes back. It goes back to other things. We're not talking about the fact that the Lego Titanic is on its way to my house. And oh, is it? Oh, oh my gosh. talking about that. <laughs> I will leave that for your, for your next guest to explore with you, but that's awesome. Right. Right. Well, you know, that is one of those things like (laughs) that's content generation, man. If you do a, uh, you know, I'm planning to do the build with the the kids and. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Put a a show out about it, you know, put a video out about it. So um, because why not? And like I said, write it off, man. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, it's it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive. Uh, But but with D&D or role playing in general. Um, you know, challenging the preset and the preconceptions, uh, you know, tieflings don't have to be default evil. They, you know, as a character can choose to remove themselves from that and be a big buck, the trend of their, of their stereotype. And that's the challenge in the game. Like, you know, in Icewind Dale, uh, would you anticipate a, a, you know, a drow priestess, living uh in icewind dale not only that but cooperating with and being resurrected by a vengeance paladin who only wants people like her dead right i mean you because that you make that work for the narrative right because that's not the important part of the story and the character growth that allows those two folks to get along or or move the story forward leads to some funny moments and also you know why not yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's 
that's it, that's a great example of where the younger generations are really pushing change in there. And I'm thankful that some of the old, like R.A. Salvatore, who created the DRO, uh, is working with wizards to add a whole bunch to that mythology so they're not just like the evil dark race, but that yep. there's this whole set of coming out, coming out that I'm so excited about that really brings a whole variety and listening to him as this, you know, old, really successful guy who doesn't have any incentive other than love of the craft and the community and players to go in and do that. I uh, just being that because our kids are pushing for it. Uh, yeah. And that's how you continue to make money and it's the right <laughs> thing to do. Uh, because, you know, if you don't cater to the audience as the audience changes and grows, uh, you know, we used to talk all the time about having to meet your tribe where your tribe is. And yep. you, want, you want people to keep playing D&D. You got to make the game playable to the people who are buying product. Yeah. Um, and, and, and those that have, those that have hurdles over it, I don't understand that. I mean, that's like literally a fantasy game, uh, you know, yes. and, and people who, who want to, who want to go super strict on the rules that don't really matter. There are some <laughs> rules that make it more interesting. Like last night, our, you know, we're playing on our, on the YouTube game and, the um, the bard is trying to, uh, unpetrify me and she's like greater restoration. He's like, you got the hundred gold pieces worth of diamond dust. And she's like, Nope. <laughs> he's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you know, and I mean, he, he he, but he, you know, that is a rule that matters in the moment and has a significant impact on the outcome that matters, right? Uh, so be a stickler. But my favorite thing to say, besides find a way to say yes, is it is a player's handbook, not rule book. It is a dungeon master's guide, not rule book. It is a monster manual, not bestiary right yeah the manual and, implies that this is how it works fix it <laughs> right? and that's one of those scenarios where you can pivot and run with it if you're trying to tell us like no i don't and then it's the opportunity but can we go get some like right yeah. now and now it's an emergency yeah. situation and then you yep. can uh, like you can pivot and oh there's run. a no the, the narrative went great like he had oh, a, he awesome. had a way for us to to barter with a with a satyr version of one of the other characters who would trade for nonsense baubles and trinkets. He thought the fork was the most valuable thing and gave <laughs> us two diamonds worth a hundred each, you know. And then the the dragonborn barbarian used his greatsword to pistol it into dust. And uh, Moog the merciful merciful broadjaw was unpetrified because they were like, "Oh, we'll just take you take you out of here." And I was like, "No, now I weigh two tons." And DM was like, yeah, he weighs two tons because I foolishly said at the beginning of the game, right. As we were introducing myself, oh, he's an eight foot tall, 380 pound bugbear. And then when you're petrified, you weigh 10 times your normal weight. So yeah, two tons instantly, two tons. Yeah. So you have a great looking statue that you can come back. I to. really was. No, um, I told him, I was like, you, I was like, he told, he was like, you know, you're about to knock another, another bolt into your crossbow. And I was like, before I get petrified, he leans up, he's got to scratch his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but talking about, you know, surreality, like putting out or being a part of that show where it's you know it's a modified everybody's in the a goblinoid like hobgoblins and that whole thing and um you know it's in a it's in a a, a a custom fantasy setting called emberfell 
and you know, and it's an adaptation, but we play by the five E rules. Um, but all of that allows for an expand. You know, it's a it's a uh, uh, Lovecraftian, uh, very H.R. Geiger, aliens influenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, intellectual property free uh, version of those things because uh, we don't call them. Uh, you know, face huggers. They're uh, they're hive infectors uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, because we're, you know, we're open to the, uh, the, the idea of, of just broadening it, but in that surreality, having a, having that show out there and there are people who come in to comment about my character who have invested their emotions into my fun and root for my character. And, you know, I've even made decisions based on what they've said because I had a certain plan going to go one way and someone commented, oh, I hope X, Y, Z. And I was like, hmm, is it fan service <laughs> or isn't it fan service, you know? So, but it influenced the way, not the way that I played the game, but how I was going to approach that decision I made because it still led, yeah. I still made the same choice, but I went about it in a different route. Uh, sort of a suicide, you know, mission, as it were. I went in with a... Uh, with a hope that I might make it out. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, that sounds like yeah. so much fun. I, I have not played D&D as part of a, like a community campaign or that's put out in public like that. That's, I think that would be on my bucket list. I would do that. I would well, try that out. you know, funny you mentioned yeah. that because I'm, uh, you know, as I filter through all the things that I'm trying to do, uh, I am uh, on, the, on the horizon is putting together a campaign crafted from the campaigns uh, in this on the Sword Coast in the Forgotten Realms, uh, but pulling threads out of the various source uh, campaign sources, so that mm-hmm. it's if you've read the book, you're not gonna be right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And you know that way that because you know that whole Sword Coast, there's so many of the adventure materials that start there that have level one level early level things that can mm-hmm. be done. Um, but they tend to focus into the one area and, you know, take all of that and throw in a good yeah. random encounter and an off adventure. And, oh, by the way, here's chapter three of Candlekeep Mysteries that you didn't anticipate, you know, or something yeah. like that. Um, but I would invite you onto that. that show. Oh, oh, yes, please. I just, you have yes right now. I'll, I'll just commit <laughs> in public right now to. Right now. Le- uh, Leslie Camacho is yeah. uh, on the record as committing to yep. the next the next online game with me. Um, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. In our campaign, we use the Forgotten Realms as kind of the foundational place because it's yeah. very much like Central Oregon, especially on the Sword Coast. Right. Exactly. Uh, but we also really love Eberron. So, or I think that's, I never said that out loud before, uh, more of the steampunk stuff. So we will pull yep. in a lot of that sort of tech and mythology out of those source books into the forgotten realms in there and just mix and match and have so much fun putting all the together and just like who cares what canon is this is is the canon for our world and we're gonna have fun with it oh you'll you'll appreciate this then because before the eberron uh came back a good friend of mine who's basically the person who reintroduced me to modern D &D, um you know he had his own warforged race uh and uh, so that was one of my early characters was playing a semi-custom Warforged in a 5e uh, setting. Um, and he's he's become, that character has become central to the lore of that world to the point that 
uh, he, uh, like, you know, L337 uh, attaches itself into a, a ship and flies a sentient airship. At that <laughs> and his name yeah. is Merle, M-E-R-L-E. <laughs> Uh, and he was named after Daryl's brother from The Walking Dead. But Merle stands for uh, mechanized, or was it, uh, mechanized Expedition Long Range Edition. That is awesome. <laughs> and so, that somehow yeah, brings together War Games, the movie yep. Daryl, The Walking yep. Dead, and D&D, yep. whether yep. intentional or not. Those oh, and, my, and, my, and styled after, you know, Johnny Five, of course. Oh, of course, of course, you got to, you got yeah. to. <laughs> uh, and so that was, you know, and, and, and in that same realm, um, you know, uh, theoretically, uh, elves and, and orcs don't get along, but in this world they do. And we can, we created a half orc race that's the other half is elf. And oh, man, that, made, that's made awesome. And, uh, and, and not to toot my own horn, but I, I like to do transliteration. Like language fascinates me. And so I, I went and researched for names, uh, Nordic and, and such uh, words that I could transcribe into a name for that race. And uh, it was the Elverslark. And uh, it just means like troll elf in two different languages that I found a way to portmanteau and uh, have fun with that. But now they are a race in that, uh, in that setting that, uh, you know, the elves and the orcs get along and they actually uh, come together as family and, and uh, the, uh, um the half uh the half um uh, species is uh actually beneficial yeah that is awesome like I, canadians because <laughs> they live yeah in the being able to play with tropes like that and having the kind of the permission to play with the group and again that that the ability to just storytell and pick and mix and match and put that together is so 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 much fun I uh, the uh what did you say earlier just say yes find a way to say yes, I say yes. <laughs> it makes it so much yeah, fun players show up and he's like uh, i found this spell that lets me rain bananas and i was like yeah you did huh well i guess it's gonna rain bananas because <laughs> why because that's ridiculous and fun of course it's gonna rain bananas yep stranger why things shouldn't it rain bananas boring <laughs> no bananas is boring Geez, y'all have some fun. Oh, my goodness. Well, Leslie, I know uh, it's getting late on this side for me. I know it's a little earlier for you. Uh, but uh, uh, the problem is we could just talk for hours, I think. And, we could. Uh, and, you know, uh, at some point, um, one of us would have to go to bed because we're old. Uh, <laughs> I feel like older than you. I feel like we have our success digressing from where we started as Pierce co-workers in a small software company to D and D. Yeah, no, that's exactly how uh, and, the show works. And our love for that. And I love that, man. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's the awesome. you know, the name started off as uh, bad choices in bourbon and the vibe, yep. you know, was never really in that, but I always thought it was a kick-ass name. Uh, but, you know, it turned into more like this vibe. And so I was like, well, this is basically digressing. So let's, let's say, shall we yeah, digress and I, go from there? When I first listened to it, when you were Bad Choices in Bourbon, I always felt like they were going to tell us about what they've learned from their worst choices. Using that was bourbon. the intent of the show, but it never went there. Story. Yeah. yeah. It, that's yeah. Hard. I feel like you need people willing to do that. I, yeah. I would do that. The trick is telling that stories without, without sounding like you're, without blaming other people or yeah. whether yeah. intentional or unintentional and keeping it centered on your own bad choices. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which, 
uh, in there. But um, but I bet if we play D and D together, we'll have plenty of bad choices made together. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And you can drink bourbon while playing D and D and enhance the uh, <laughs> enhance the flow of the game. Uh, no, I, I I often tell people about um, you know the uh, the conference we were at in Austin together. Not only did we drink that awful you know drink that those guys oh my from, gosh from yes Skype made us drink. oh my god uh but the, the i would say okay you know i'm not much of a scotch drinker but if i you're the person i'm asking uh for advice oh yeah no that's exactly the face we made the next morning because that's that was some it was called a, what was a mealy molly cob or something like that it means uh yeah like i forgot for jellyfish or something and yeah uh, it's, it's like it's but it involved jägermeister and some garbage it was absinthe, Jägermeister, and some sort of scotch or bourbon, and then it was awful. Uh, mixed with something terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was like a hazing ritual we got pulled into. Oh my gosh! These dudes that... were from Skype. It was amazing. It was amazing. But the Skype before Microsoft bought them. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we remember the that the H, the T, the M, and the L were camel cased in Hotmail back in the day. That's right. That's right. That's how old we are. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, once I get uh, once I get to a point where I can put that campaign together, we can definitely make that happen because um, uh, getting to play D and D over the internet with friends, uh, and, and and not to just get right back into it, but and one of the saddest things that I hear are kids, especially uh, or folks who wanted to play, say, "Oh, well, I wanted to play, but they made fun of me at the table because I didn't understand how to play." Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a hazing thing. Like you got to be gate kept at the table. If you shit, man, it's taken me all this time to really understand how a character sheet works. You know, yeah, I, I've been yeah. playing actively like easily more than once a week for eight years straight. <laughs> yep, and and I don't have the resources off the top of my head, uh, but I can try to find them and send them over later. But just if you're listening and you're wondering, like, how do I get kids out there? Like, what changed my mind about kids at the table is I was at the, um, at PAX, I think it was 2017 or 18, and I attended a special panel by a group of gamers who were starting a nonprofit that used role-playing to help kids with autism, ADHD, depression, and it was all backed by uh, not only gamers, but by actual doctors and medical health. And so they have their whole system in there and there's a whole community out there. Like there are character sheets that account for dyslexia, colorblindness. Like you just have to look a little bit and there is a community that will uplift and support you in any challenge you have with adults or kids getting them in there and having a really health, healthy, fun, exciting uh, time there. So Dan, yeah, I'm all in. I won't hold you to it because you have to put together a show that, uh, you know, makes sense for what you want to do. But if I'm invited, I'm going to be there. 100%. Right on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and you know, that it goes back to wanting to teach and then be inclusive. Yep. Like, you know, I would rather uh, I would rather take three sessions to get one session's worth of work done because you're learning and understanding. Yep. Or even if you're not fully understanding, at least you're trying. Uh, but if I, if, if we play and I have to tell you what dice or, or help you understand what dice to use every time, I don't care if we play for five years and yeah. you still never really get it, get it, but you're there and you show up and you want to play and you're having a good time. I don't care. Right. That's not the point. Like, you knowing that your, your dagger does a D four is not the point, right? The yeah. point is you, you came <laughs> to the table. Let's, we can do the rest of it. Right. And that's okay. Yeah, that's exactly. That makes for fun play too. 
what is it supposed to be? Which one is that? That's that's the part of it. Like I play with actual, you know, adults who still can't pick a D12 from a D20. <laughs> you know, accommodate, you know, accommodate. All right, Les. Well, man, thanks so much for making the time to be on the show. It's been an absolute joy. Uh, not only to uh, share your story, but just to get to visit again and uh, reminisce and uh, reconnect, um, which, you know, on the, on the level is what this is all about. Uh, so is there anything that you want to plug, promote, or slug before uh, we close it down? Uh, on the off chance that you're a business looking for leadership coaching, I help with that. Uh, and if you need D&D resources for kids, I'll put together a short list for you, for you uh, and point you in the right direction to people much more, uh, uh, much better at that than I, but I've benefited greatly from a lot of those resources. I'll gladly help you with either one. I don't really have a personal website, but I do maintain this thing called a microblog and that's at blog.lesliecamacho.com. Uh, and I'm not an avid poster, but it's easy to reach me through there. Very good. Very good. And uh, yeah, you know, if those things interest you or you have questions regarding uh, how, um, you know, coaching might, uh, you know, benefit what it is that you're trying to succeed yep. with. Uh, Honestly, yeah. just give me an idea of what character I should bring to Dan's future campaign. Yeah, like, no, that's a great poll, poll <laughs> Absolutely. For, uh, forget the business thing. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I try to do is uh, my intent, and I tell every I tell every DM that I play with, my intent is to break your game. I'm going to bring a character that will break your game. Um, and uh, when I when my paladin pulled Dimension Door to get out of this maze one time, the DM was like, "You have a what now?" I was like, "I've got Dimension Door. It's on my spell list." I didn't know you had that. You don't have to know I have that. I have it. <laughs> I got it right here. I marked it. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, so in that in that spirit, I'm bringing Arakoa uh, a, a, a monk to my next campaign. Yes. Yes. Flying monk. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. All right, dude. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we'll put information in the show notes that uh, let folks get in touch with you. Um, and with that, everyone who uh, has been listening, thank you so much for your support. For those uh, of you who choose to support me on Patreon, I really do appreciate that. And um, if you want to get in on that uh, vibe, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month, uh, patreon.com slash Dan Decker, uh, and uh, get a little bit of early access to a lot of the fun stuff we have. There are other tiers, of course, that give you more uh, goodies. And so check that out. Uh, but otherwise, uh, appreciate your ears for one more week. And we'll catch you again uh, with good night from the Toadsuck Studio.